I would spend a lot of time just standing and thinking and the like most prevalent thought I had while working my retail job was that I wish I could just be like a maiden from like pre pre 1850 and like just wear nice clothes and like lay down on couches and like faint and like be pretty and like worn peace watching the shit these ladies go through <laughs> and maybe change my perspective a little bit definitely oh yeah. god doesn't everyone want to be just like a fair maiden on a couch yeah don't we all at some point yeah like i just want to like like mope in a very feminized way all the time <laughs> i just want to like eat bonbons and like drink rose tea and like mope all the time yes oh god I okay think that, i think that's the true essence of um i think that is the real crux of anti-capitalist resistance <laughs> is to be hot and do nothing to do it while war is going on is another yes. it's adds a tear as to, well to be hot and do nothing i think truly is a revolution <laughs> <laughs> okay Welcome back to Fill the Void, a podcast where we analyze, discuss, and gush about the films, TV shows, and all the other media that we use to fill, fill the, the void. void. Today, we're going to be talking about the miniseries War and Peace. Okay, you recommended this to me, and then over the summer, I watched it, and I made my mom watch it with me. She could not handle it. She what? She got so frustrated with the characters. My mom's a very practical person. She's okay. very smart. She's very practical. Logical. So... She was like, I can't. They're so mopey. I, I, I don't like it. I, I don't want to watch this anymore. <laughs> I like, remember, I like threw this to you in like the void, literally the void. Mm -hmm. And you just came, you like texted me during the summer and I was like, wait, this is like, what? This is, wait, you actually want to do this? Because mm -hmm. I was like, what? It's so, I really like this show. It's really good. It was actually, I, I saw this on like Wikipedia. It was originally, it's online for streaming as eight episodes. Yeah. But it was originally aired as four episodes that were two hours each. Well, but I didn't. I saw I, it. I saw it as six episodes when I was on like Wikipedia. When I Wikipedia, yeah. There's only six the episode intro. summaries. Yeah, which is so weird. And but, but there's, there's eight episodes there's eight like episodes. released, and then I think it was like a TV movie for like a short period of time where they did like half and half. Mm -hmm. Before our disclaimer, freaking. For anyone who actually wants to listen and will listen in the order at which we do this, welcome back. Welcome back. It's been a time. Um, it's been, we, we had to go home for summer. I had to go home and work my retail job. Me too. I had to go <laughs> home and work my retail, my retail job. Yeah. Um, but we're back now. First, it's Labor Day. First podcast yes. of the new semester. Of the new semester. I'm very excited about this semester. Me too. I Feeling have so good. many things going on. For the first time in my life, I own a planner. Slay. But yeah, I know. I'm super excited. Um. Yeah, I think it's time for our our spoiler alert and opinion opinion yeah. disclaimer. So first of all, Warm Peas has been around for um a while. Yep. So if you haven't, if not if you haven't read it, but if you are going to be angry that we spoil it for you, um, I I don't know. Maybe you should like go back to eighteen whenever when it was written. It's and not my fault. Mad. You were cryogenically frozen. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then also we're just kids kicking rocks, man. We're just messing around. So if anything that you say is, if anything we say angers you in a particularly egregious manner, mm -hmm. meet me, meet me behind the Wawa and we'll, we'll do good out. <laughs> the, the, yes. No Wawa in particular, the, just whatever one's closest Whichever to you. Whichever one's closest to you, just go and I'll be there. I'll be the one in the plaid fleece. 
Yeah, just just comment on our Spotify and then I'll come for you. Yeah. Um, make make sure you put your address and then your credit card number just so we can find <laughs> you and then the expiration date and the security code. Just just so that we yeah. like know where to meet you. Yeah. And your of address too. Because yeah. we need the billing address and all that information. Yeah, absolutely. So um so yeah, first this show is incredibly casted. I know. Literally. We have Paul Dano as Pierre. Oh. Mm, Tuppence Middleton as Helene. Helene? Helene. Helene is Helene. Helene. Uh, Callum Turner as Anatole. James Norton as Andre. Jesse Buckley as Maria. Jack Loudon as Nikolai. Lily James as Natasha. Aisling <laughs> <laughs> Loftus as Sonia. And Gillian Anderson as Anna Pavlovina or Pavlovna. Yeah, the names in this um uh the names in this book absolutely insane i know everyone's like everyone's name ends with of and i'm like of not. i like that but yeah this this cast is crazy you love paul dano Damn, i have I, I literally i said to my computer yesterday i was i was like finishing up finishing up the stuff I, I literally said i love paul dano i said i'm in love with paul dano and i kept saying it as if you could hear me through the screen because i love if you're listening to this, Paul Dano, I know you're married and you have a child. I know. He's married and has a child? Yes, he's married and he has a child. But I love you and I loved you in that sh- that movie where you had black hair and I loved you. Talking about <laughs> a little Miss Sunshine? Yeah, I think so. I have no idea what this is called. I just, I can't, I can't get over him. I See, I, I watched um the Batman before I saw this yeah and i just can't stop thinking about him as the riddler he's so creepy sorry sorry about dana because this i'm also sorry <laughs> well um, i make up for it he's he's a little he's a funny looking white man oh and i love i love the interview where he's talking he's like my favorite birthday <laughs> i love him i think he's very amusing i do not think he's particularly attractive i think he looks like a little teddy bear and i just want to hug him he li- literally looks like a teddy graham you yeah. probably doesn't know what a teddy gram is. I'm sorry. If you know what, please, I hope you He probably know. knows what a teddy gram is. I don't know. a child. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also, you also love Lily James. Oh, my God. Um, Lily James was the person that when I mentioned the things about her that I like, you said, are you sure you're not gay? <laughs> and I said, yes, I'm sure. Because well, you were like, I love her hips. You weren't like, oh, I really like her hair. I love her hips and mama me. <laughs> the essence of her as the perfect person to play natasha yes uh natasha such an interesting character she is everything. i didn't i didn't not until until this point i had watched it because i i bought this series like with like 20 of my allowance dollars in the eighth grade nice. like i had been watching the show for a while and so when i when i watched it again and i saw her arc i was like yeah. What the hell? Yeah, you just missed it the first. I time? I missed it the first well, time. Yeah, I was caught up in. I was caught up in Andre James Norton's eyes, and then I was caught up in Paul Dano's smile and his glasses, <laughs> and his long freaking coat. I t- literally, when he gets back, are oh, you like that school shooter? Cause like- <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. You just ruined it for me. You just <laughs> ruined it for me. No, it's it's the corduroy like tan fl- like floor coat. It's not like a leather like kind of coat or like a it's like a duster yeah like a school shooter no it's not no Um. but uh when he there's a scene there's a scene where he's at the table after he gets released from prison and he's eating yeah oh my god and he cuts the potato into a smaller bite (laughs) that's what does it for you huh (laughs) i like a guy who knows 
um, mine is how um, to how to ration his own food and how to it's called self control and his billowy sleeves. I'm like I literally said to the computer screen. I said to be hugged by a guy in those billowy sleeves. God, see that moment for you that like oh my god I love him. That's me when Andre's literally dying and he's like I really haven't loved you. I'm like yeah. But then he loves everything he says. He even loves the guy that she cheated on him with. Yeah, that's it for me. I I'm not gonna lie. A lot of my knowledge about this like at at all like how to pronounce the names is because i was obsessed with great common of 1812 which i will i will talk briefly about and then i will never mention it again because it is not what we are talking about you right made now. me listen to one song and i actually didn't hate it yeah it's 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 fun so it, great common of 1812 is a adapt, adaptation of war and peace they got robbed at the tonys but we don't have time to talk about that right now. It tells like a 70 page section. It doesn't tell the whole story. It tells like the section from like when Natasha and Sonia arrive in Moscow mm-hmm. and ends when Andre's like, I don't want to marry you anymore. So it just tells a story of like Natasha's fall from grace. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really fun show. I really like it. We have the director and the costume designer and things. Tom Harper is the director. Costume designer is Edward K. Gibbons. I think it's Gibbon, just Gibbon, no S. He did care about the fact that this wasn't a reenactment. This wasn't going, this wasn't specifically made so that it could be a, a remake of this, this thing or an adaptation because it's been adapted so many times. So the point was to make it feel like it itself encapsulized the story mm-hmm. as best as it could without being 100% historically accurate. And the fact that he admits that makes me feel a lot better than, say, Bridgerton with its empire waistlines. I saw that, mm-hmm. too, because this is a similar time period. Um, and I don't know what it is. I think it's very unflattering on a, on a woman, the empire waistline. Okay, so Tom Harper also, he, I, I, I don't know. I think with, like, period pieces, it's really interesting to see, like, where th- what these people's influences are. And mm-hmm. Tom Harper also directed Peaky Blinders. Oh so my God! Yes, he like he like knows kind of what he's doing. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And then yeah, the the costumes. I I lo- did some digging. They're pretty accurate. The only thing one time Natasha has bangs, and it's like people would have yeah. thought she was mental. That's like if I just <laughs> shaved half my head. Like yeah. that's the equivalent of like having bangs at this time. Like bangs were a thing, but the like blunt straight across ones yeah. were just not a thing. Yeah, it was the only way that they could, I guess. And signify that she was younger. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, the only other thing I saw in terms of like costume inconsistency is like bias cut is a like um, s- uh, technique used to like create a certain effect when you're you just like instead of cutting fabric straight across the grain, you cut it diagonally so it like drapes a, a certain way. Right, right. This is very nerdy like no. seamstress stuff. But it's cool. Um, I spent my entire summer doing this. So. <laughs> um. So it just, it, but to, to cut something on the bias, you have to basically use double the fabric because you're not doing it the conventional way. You have to do it like tilted. It's a whole thing. It's very expensive, which is why I don't usually do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, it wouldn't have been practical because like it takes so much fabric. It wouldn't have been practical. It would have been like too sumptuous and it, it just, people wouldn't have done it. So all of Helene's sort of like slinky uh, bias cut dresses just wouldn't have been a thing. Yeah. Although they 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 do, I feel like, make a good um like way to i guess um set her apart from the other characters because she's kind of like the more scandalous like the fact that she has darker hair i don't Mm -hmm. know how she's described in the book because i didn't freaking read it um but if she does in fact have darker hair and natasha has lighter hair i think it's a good comparison because they're the two women in bia's life i mean it's very much like 
I, I see I've seen a lot about like the um comparison between Helene and Natasha. It's very much giving Madonna whore. Like Yeah. I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with like Madonna whore complex where it's like it's a, a f- one of Freud's ideas men see women one of two ways, either as Madonna like a perfect figure or a whore, like a in impure like slut person like yeah. it's just men can't h- handle the fact yeah that women it's the have way sex. that they signify who to have respect for yeah so um basically war and peace was written in 1867 well it was published it was he started writing it in uh, 1863 which i'm like cuckoo for cocoa puffs what the actual hell um but it's set in 1812 during the napoleonic invasion but it begins in 1805 um he didn't really consider this book a novel, at, like, at, basically at all. So it shows, like, the rise and fall of the war, juxta- or parallel to the stories of this, like, group of people who are, like, uh, Russian no- or, yeah, Russian nobility. Funny tidbit, though, like, his actual, like, author's purpose, I guess. 1863 was when he wrote it, or started it. Um, it's right as soon as he got married and settled down with Sofia Tolstaya. And her so, sister was the inspiration for Natasha. That's, like, so cool. But, like... Why, like, her in Natasha in the book is described as like so lovely and she's so beautiful and like if someone was if my husband was was writing about my sister like that, I'd be like, yeah, what's going on here? Yeah, well, yeah, that's definitely a thing because that does that mean that he saw her as how like Helen or does that mean it's yeah somewhere in between? I don't know. She was like the queen of awesomeness because she helped him copy the draft so. She helped him complete almost seven full manuscripts of the book, which for a 1,200-page book, that's, like, ridiculous. That's true love. Literally. So it was originally called 1805 because of his limited scope for the war years. He basically uh, historically, I guess, researched all of it as he was doing it, which was really cool. So he sat down with people who actually lived during that war um, and got their firsthand accounts of that. He could, I guess, depict the action and the drama of it more um, realistically. Mm-hmm. So basically, the book transcended the modern idea of what a novel is, not only because of how long it is, but because he broke the fourth wall. I think so. He broke the fourth wall because there's a certain there's certain chapters throughout the book where he literally just abandons the story, or not abandons it, but he's commenting on what's going on in the story as the author talking to the audience. So they're called his philosophical chapters. And I was talking to my friend who had read, uh, she read this book over the, the summer um, for a class. And she was like, yeah, I didn't really like the philosophical parts, but I thought that they were interesting because I had never seen a book do that before. Mm-hmm. It's super interesting how like we think about like historical fiction as being written now yeah. and about something way long ago. But this was written way long ago yeah. about something that happened even longer like uh, like slightly longer ago yeah it would be like um, if we wrote about the 70s yeah which i think is super cool um but yeah no i, I and then i we, we were talking before we started recording about like other kind of stories that are like kind of historical and then we were talking about the iliad the only other for some reason the first thing that came to mind when i was thinking about like historical events also being used as like these like broad sweeping um kind of true yeah, this piece of historical fiction um, was the Titanic. Yeah, I think I think it was really interesting because I was like, I was confused when you said the Titanic, and now I totally get it because it's this thing where the this tragic thing, whether it be a war or a sinking ship, is used as the backdrop to a story that's happening within it, and the the story and the people are what are fiction, but the actual event is what's real. Mm-hmm. And so usually that's how things. That's what. 
people who are listening are probably going to be like, well, that's what the freaking historical fiction yeah. even is, you idiot. Well, getting on the nitty gritty, I think it's that's an interesting way to, to freaking like think about it. And especially the fact that there's so many characters in it. It's not just two people that he's doing. He's doing a family, like multiple families, um, mm-hmm. all with different relationships. And it's almost like their crests have their own traits. Mm-hmm. So like everyone in Natasha's family, I feel like their theme is they want love and they want they want to make uh, each other proud. And it's like they're more of a family unit than, say, Anatole and Helen. And they're kind of trying to just mix. Stir the Anatole pot. and Helen are like. They're incesty. It's so weird. My mom started freaking out. She's like, that's gross. I can't watch this anymore. I think and I saw this. Someone commented on the book, the incestual, I guess, relationship so-called that they have is like um it's way more forward and in your face than in the book like in the book you actually have to read it like more than one time there are scenes to get a real feel of this is actually what Tolstoy was intent like intending which makes sense because of when it was written and if he he had to make it so that people would read it her child that she like was Anatole's so I did not pick up on that it, it was Anatole's I need that's I know. that's that's why she it's, wanted to get rid of it so badly exactly. and she she writes Pierre and tries to get him to she's like this is a really big deal like I kind of want you here because mm-hmm. Anatole was the person that she ran to whenever she wronged Pierre and she needed someone to be like you're not that bad mm-hmm. and so whenever that happened and then like Anatole just went off to war and like basically was like bye bitch um he left her alone but also pregnant that's so with his dude. child as yeah, no. his freaking sister gross. oh my god it's gross. it's terribly gross i'm sorry it's for horribly gross um yeah. well you get that scene in the show where um pierre comes in after he knows that she's already cheated on him with uh mm-hmm. dostoevsky or not dostoevsky oh my god not, um <laughs> <Fight>. dolikov dolikov <laughs> fight me i even what dostoevsky yeah. the author Dostoevsky <laughs> just like puts him in <laughs> just beef i would need to i the person I know that who's done that is uh, Orwell. He like literally shames authors in his writing. He like First writes essays just ranting about authors, and I love that he does that. But it would be cool if Tolstoy had done that. But um, yeah, like there's that scene where Pierre comes in and he after um she sleeps with Dolokhov, and he walks in and sees Anatole and her like kind of like play fighting, but he's touching her in an inappropriate way, and he's like, "What the hell?" And he picks up on it and he says. But not only are you an adulterer and you've cheated on me when we made a promise to be married, but you're flirting and being inappropriate with your brother. I, I'm going to do a super rough and dirty summary. Literally, because I, I wrote down. So episode, much shit happens. Yeah, in this story. I wrote down episode by episode, but um, it literally just flows. So okay. you can just. Read I'm, I'm, I'm going to focus mostly on like. The, so the show follows mainly Pierre. Napoleon Bonaparte is coming, coming for. Come, coming for Russia. Um, well, he's going through France, and then he hits Austria, and Austria and Russia are kind of close to each other, so they're like, oh my god, we have to be careful. Pierre becomes Count Bazukov. He basically gets a lot of power. He has a friend, Andrei Bolkonsky, who's a high noble. Um, he's army. He's an army. He's married and has is expecting a child. Pierre marries a woman named Helene, who's kind of slutty. She cheats on him with his friend Dolokhov. Um, they duel. Pierre shoots Dolokhov, even though Dolokhov is like a really good shot. Um russia and france are still at war nikolai who's natasha's brother comes back from the war um andre's wounded in battle um when he comes back his wife is dead but he has a son 
Um, Pierre kind of goes through a lot. He joins the Freemasons, uh, says, says he's going to serve others. Natasha gets proposed to by, like, some guy, and she says no. Um, N- Nikolai, like, plunges the family into horrifying debt by playing cards. Like, I, I looked up the, the like, translation between, like, whatever, rubles and, like, American yeah. dollars, and I was like, ooh, it's so <laughs> much money. Um, yeah, so, and then Napoleon signs a peace treaty with, with Russia. Jump to 1909, Andre quits the army. Liz not having a good time and then he sees Natasha and he like becomes obsessed with her he proposes to her um but then he says they have to wait a year to get married he's going back to the army um Natasha's family is kind of not in a good place um because of Nikolai so they his mom tries to set him up with um a rich girl but he says no um because he's in love with his cousin Sonia who's like Natasha's friend and like confidant yeah um but she comes from like a poor family I think like all of her family have passed away at this point so he goes and he's like confesses to his family he's like I want to marry Sonia and Mm -hmm. they're like no but not because they're cousins but because she's poor yeah gross um natasha goes to meet andre's family it does not go well um his sister maria cannot stand her they like no it's not that though that's a really interesting interaction we can talk about more later okay um so put in the doc because i do want to talk about that okay um anatole who is helene's sister um seduces natasha natasha if it's freaking out she um andre finds out and he says he can't forgive her napoleon starts to invade moscow pierre and andre meet in battle <sighs> do you want me to continue yeah i can't okay. do this anymore so pierre basically okay they meet at the battle of borodino pierre's a freemason so he's not in uniform and he goes up to andre they're like brother brother and pierre um brings up natasha while they're like sitting out by the fire and he's like i thought we were agreed not to talk about this um and he's basically like he hasn't made up his mind about it he's like i still don't want to be with her i've ruined my chance continue um the battle continues in the infirmary kurrigan anatole his last name's kurrigan anatole and andre are beside each other and basically anatole asks him for pity they proceed to hold hands um because they're both like almost mortally mortally wounded and um andre had sworn to kill him for like being with natasha and like ruining his chances but at that point he actually forgives him and this is like a theme throughout the whole entire thing about how peace is actually achieved during the war and after with these characters with each other more so with the peace treaties going on because they keep being broken so basically family uh natasha's family moves to the countryside um they take in soldiers one of them's andre and she he likes she sits down with him um and tells her that she's like in love with her her she's in love with him still he tells her that he loves her more than he ever did um but he passes away, sadly. So he ma- but he makes peace before he dies. They have the most beautiful conversation. Literally. So he gathers, um, he gathers, or she gathers, um, Maria, his sister, which they've made up at this point, and then um, his son, and they're all together. So Petruska, I think. Yeah, Petruska. I think Petruska is um Nikolai and Natasha's youngest brother. I'm not sure. I didn't know that they had a younger brother. Yeah, they do. He dies and right, right, right. Eight. Spoiler. <laughs> right, um, you're right, right, right. So episode eight. Go okay. Ahead. Pierre's in Moscow, um, trying to keep away from the police after like the war, basically this battle has ended and uh Andre has passed. So he has a concealed weapon on him and the French are the French are looting and burning the city, so he's captured. He gets imprisoned with a peasant. His name's Platon Karatev. And um Basically, he, like, talks him back from the brink from, like, losing all hope because he's, like, in the middle of a war zone. Pierre is watching the city of Moscow, his once home, being burned to, like, pieces and looted. And this peasant guy um, 
they both think they're going to die, but they choose to enjoy what they have left. So basically, then Helene is um, pregnant, as we talked about. Um, he, she can't reach Pierre for obvious reasons, but she gets an abortion. So the abortion doctor gives her uh, medicine to drink, and she drinks too much of it, and she passes away um, from a hemorrhage from delivering the baby. Pierre and Platon, so Karatev, they're forced to travel to, with the French through like the freaking Russian winter and the cold-ass r- Russian winter. And um, Platon is shot, Karatev's shot for staying on the side of the road, and like... Pierre just has to keep going, and it's, like, super sad. So Natasha grieves Andre. She's, like, in a stoop, sort of. Pierre is rescued by soldiers, um, led by Dolokhov, who was his once, his once like, rival because he slept with Helene. And so, and Denisov, who's the guy who proposed to Natasha way back when. And so he gets, again, there's this more and reinforced forgiveness. Um, so Nikolai and Sonia are to be married. They actually were going to go through with their marriage, but she releases the engagement so that he can marry Maria and save the family from ruin. So Maria's Andre's sister. She's super rich because they're like princess and prince. But he gets married to Nikolai her. Nikolai likes Maria. There's like oh, a yeah, point they, where they hang out. Yeah. So there's a thing where I'm pretty sure, um, I want to say Andre's dad passes away mm-hmm. and, and they, like they yeah, hang out she has to uh handle all of his finances and like his business stuff and then there are these soldiers that burst into her wherever she's staying and he saves her from th- um from them and because of that she's like the damsel in distress and he's she's like you're so so chivalrous mm-hmm. um but rewind to back in the day it's like nikolai and uh natasha have this conversation about sonia and about the fact that the reason why he doesn't choose to be with Sonia at that time earlier on is because he has this thing in his head. He's like, I fall in love so quickly and I fell in love with her. So who's to say that I won't fall in love with someone who's I'm, who I'm actually right for? It shouldn't be this hard. And so Maria is kind of the unanticipated uh, solution to this problem. Yeah. So Pierre is severely humbled after being in prison and he's released. And so he gets released and his everyone's like, Count, like, how are you doing? Or like... Mm-hmm. He um, becomes Count Bazukov again. Yeah, so he's put in the nice clothes. He sits down to eat, and it's, like, hard, but he's humbled, and it's, like, he goes back to see Natasha and um, Maria having made up with, like, each other. And so the day the day after, he goes back. and So an important piece is that Natasha Natasha's family is absolutely, like, financially destitute. Yeah. So Maria invites her um, and her mother and Nikolai to come live with her. Yeah. Um, so they like, she really helps them out, which I think is really Yeah, sweet. that's one bitch I can't stand is Natasha's mother. <laughs> really? I can't stand her. My God. <laughs> she gets on my ever last freaking nerve. And maybe it's just the facial expressions she like makes. Mm-hmm. I can't stand her. But so the day after he goes back, um, after he's like come in and told them stories about his time away. This is Pierre. Yeah, Pierre. Pierre. And he sits with them and talks about Andre and stuff. He comes back literally like that whole night. He can't sleep and neither can she. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> And then he comes. He comes back. He confesses his love and she reciprocates. He says, um, do you think you could love me? And she says, yes, I can. I can. I, I do. do. <laughs> yeah. That's and so beside note, I love the music that they play during the scene. It's like very like dun, dun, dun. dun. It's so epic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so. And then after that, everybody lives happily ever after. Basically, Well, like not, kind of not except really. for, except for Sonia except for Sonia so she has to live she has to live with like the man she loves and like raise his children but she can't be with him I would yeah. kill myself so however many years pass and Natasha's children and family are like sitting at a table they're having like dinner and it shows like Pierre go like he's like the main guy but he's in like rags as can be so it's basically saying he's embraced this Freemason life they all live in the country so they're away from like metropolitan 
um, mm-hmm. Russia, and he kisses like all of his children's heads, and then they like sit down, and he's like enjoying everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sonia lives with Nikolai and Maria, and yeah. she's like basically his his children's nurse. Which I'm like, what the heck? And Andre's um, son is there also. Mm-hmm. My thing is, I actually looked this up and I couldn't figure it out. What happens to Anatole? And I just have to assume that he passed away in the infirmary. Yeah. That he was. I think. I think that's. I think that's like canon. I think he does. I think he's dead. Yeah. I just didn't pick up. I didn't like yeah. pay attention because I don't. So really yeah, care I think. I think something. So the main themes of this obviously are like it's it's in the title war and peace, and there's also a lot about forgiveness. Yeah. Um, which I think is really interesting. And then also like perspective. So th- there's kind of two worlds that happen in this like book. There's the war part and then there's like the romance part. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about it and they're so different, you know, like that's a theme in a lot of like ancient, you know, Greek um, like myths and stories where like at the end of the Odyssey, he comes back and he has to like put away the war part of him to be like a lo- he has to be a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. Um, but then if you look at a lot of the characters in this, all, all the characters that do fight, they do it because of love. So I think that there's this really interesting, it, it kind of dissolves the dichotomy between war and, you know, peace, romance, which I think is really cool because like, like, yes, we are violent and yes, we do fight. And yes, it's hard to see how someone who could love someone so dearly could also do such terrible things. But it's like those two are this two, two sides of the same coin. And that coin is humanity. Yeah, it's... Oh. That was profound. <laughs> but um, I think a lot of it is is relying on the fact that Tolstoy wrote this as this this is a French like these are French nobles or I mean Russian nobles I mean and they're against the French and so there's a very clear us versus them. Mm-hmm. So because of that and because of who we're introduced to, we are all rooting for for, for them and from the beginning to the end and we see Napoleon as the enemy so there there is no even though all like you said every character has their their coin they have a, a, they have at least one or more chances to say okay am i going to choose the right thing or am i going to let you know the negative thoughts and the revenge or vengeance get to me and go like have it affect my actions and so i feel like each character goes through that that thing where they have to decide that Pierre goes through that his arc as i suppose the biggest and i i feel like his he's focused on as a main character because he takes the least amount of convincing to be good like he's the so-called hero in the story i feel like he's like the freaking shy guy he like is in love with natasha but he's best friends with andre and he has to let her like let her go and so he has to decide at the end okay I have to be brave and if i want to be happy i know that this is going to make me happy so i have to freaking go for it yeah also like I don't know. I, th- I think the whole like Pierre Natasha thing, like he waits for her for forever. Forever. In, it's not even a waiting where he knows he'll get her eventually. God, I'm going to throw up. He's like, <laughs> he, he loves her so much that he's just willing to like stand by and just wait. Literally. And, and you know I what? Think, yeah. That feeling of like just waiting for somebody is so painful. Yeah. Like doing it for like five months is exhausting doing it for 10 years i would be exhausted literally i just think it's one of those things where uh and then whenever she is going through that thing with anatole and andre and he's literally comes to see her like every day or not every day but every so often and talks to her and like counsels her through it and then she's she's at the piano playing and they're like talking and she says oh whatever like andre i miss him whatever like do you think he would forgive me and like uh, and then he says he says this thing he says oh if you would only know if you only knew 
and then he cuts he says oh this is inappropriate i should not be doing this and then he gets up and goes across the room and then she's like what's going on she's like so freaking naive this idiot while she's i'm like after anatole you have to know yeah you have to know that's the the downfalls of men you have to be on the defense natasha is so naive and that's like one of the notes i have natasha's change in maturity over the series in the beginning her character is everything i hate about myself she is naive she she is selfish she doesn't think about people's feelings she in the beginning in the beginning of the thing seriously she's so selfish i thought she just wants to dance and have fun and be kind no, but of she's a little girl and she, like she she's like a grown-up but she behaves like a child yeah. she's so such an infuriating character at the beginning and then like seeing her grow and you know there's all these scenes where she is counseling maria when on um when andre dies she's the grown-up in the situation yeah um she like makes sure everything gets taken care of she is the voice of reason in our family at towards the end when her dad um like struggles mentally and her mom is her mom um (laughs) so yeah i i I don't know i i think natasha's like change over the but yeah in the beginning she's so naive i don't know how you don't like her you don't like like people who are naive and foolish okay i like her in the beginning because i feel like okay it's that it can be described as that one scene when andre is sitting on the couch with her and um he says it seems like you have the gift of happiness Mm -hmm. and like it as in her happiness isn't isn't something that she works for or isn't something that she is like it's not like she's being naive in the sense of oh she sees all this war going on and she's like so stupid to it it's like subconsciously it's a gift that she's been given to be the light and the darkness for everyone around her i feel like that is her that is her um job as a character to provide the light when everyone else is like shit sucks yeah so i feel like in a way she is an anchor in the story even though she has her, she there's a part where she's the anchor and she gets lifted up with the whole thing with Anatole. Um, and I think the the crazy part and the part that I loved so much about that is the fact that she is the character we expected it the least from. If it had happened to Helen, which it did, then we would have we would have expected it. But the fact that it happened to the one person, we, even she gets tested in the biggest way possible. So I think she had the arc she did, needed to have. And I do agree with you that in the end, she does hold the family together. She is the voice of reason. She does grow up and she does mature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I just, in the beginning, she just like really pisses me off. She's like, I just want to frolic through the flowers and play my piano and fall in love with anybody and kiss all these men. Which like me too, but like I have to work my shitty retail job. <laughs> like, we don't, so that's, actually, that's the actually, pot calling the kettle black because actually, she said, I wish I could be this girl. But when you see that girl actually doing her thing, you're like, I'm I like, can't I hate stand you. her. But also, okay, just to clarify, I do not. I did not hate my retail job. I actually very much enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I it just, yeah, no, she's just, she's just so naive. It makes, it makes my skin crawl. When she's singing in Italian and Andre's like sitting in the window and she's and Sonia like are singing and she says, I just fly away. Like I, I guess, just fly away with the air carry me. I, I guess it's says, just like, Stop. there's like this fetishization of her naivete at the beginning everyone's like oh she's so pure she's so happy 
he sees her frolicking through flowers. That's something a girl does. That's not something a woman. True. Tr- like that's not like a womanly activity. So I feel like it. But at the same time, I think guess about the just, time period. She is a woman in eighteen twelve. Right. So then, why is she frolicking through the what flowers? Is, what else would she do? I don't work know. as a hand. Work as I don't know. Do something productive. I just I don't like. Um. I guess I guess what really rubs me the wrong way is how much people like attach her value to her innocence which is just very right. like purity culture and like I, I guess i guess that's what just gives me pause about her characterization is the fact that her like naivete is something that is prized but i i do think what you're talking about the gift of happiness that makes itself very obvious later when she does suffer but then comes back yeah i think it makes itself it's present in the beginning but it makes itself clear in the end. And what you, what you said about the person we expect the least from is also very true. Yeah, I just think it's, I don't know. I think that Pierre and Natasha go through a similar thing in the opposite way. And Pierre goes through it um, early on. He's kind of the shy kind of like. Incel. <laughs> he's not an incel. I he's, hate you. Yeah. But in this, and he's like the one that's, that's an outcast from, the, from society. And he's he's one of the people that she likes the most in the beginning. Like they're friends right off the bat. Like then he gets married and he's blindsided by lust with when marrying Helen. And so, um, it's just this this thing. Like he he's I feel like starts down and then he he makes himself level and then she starts up and then she goes down and makes herself level. I feel like everyone has to reach a point where they're like, there's this. I hate to bring up Teen Wolf, but there's this thing where. They say what? They, there's a show to called Teen Wolf. I know I've seen I've seen and, I've seen certain episodes from. I it. love watched all of it and basically there's this part in it where the doctor is like the doc, the veterinarian. He's talking to Scott the Teen Wolf and he's like, there comes a time where everything has to find its balance where things are so bad then they can't be bad forever and things are good things can't be good forever. Yes, and I feel like. With each individual character, especially Andre, and I asked I asked my friend, and I wanted to talk about this for a little bit. I asked my friend who had read the book, um, who her favorite character was, and she says Andre. And she I was, love Andre. She was He's like, just so pretty. she says, Stop, <laughs> sorry. Stop. Also, symbolically, is interesting. He's also just like a good guy. Like you think so? Yeah, I don't think Andre? so. Andre, he's such a good guy. Well, okay, I think I'm also biased because one of my best friends from home. I think Andre. he's, I think he's the most guy guy I've ever seen. I know, I love guy guy. I know, I don't like guy guys. I like Pierre because he's like, he, no guy is like him. <laughs> See, I I love Andre just because like, I think as I grow up, I want less like an interesting man, and I just want like a good man. <laughs> well, he's the kind of guy that he's his reason. I feel like stems from his masculinity. Me, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like Pierre's reason stems from like his like Socratic I- ideology. So I feel like Andre is more like, of a th- traditionalist character. Yeah, like he goes and he fights in the war. Well, but he has he has a hard time freaking getting in touch with his emotions, and then he sees Natasha, and he does. That's where the. F- I think it's you're ironic because you said, oh, you don't like the fact that her purity is freaking um fetishized but that's literally what draws him to her to begin with and then he says when he's on his deathbed or not his deathbed when he's talking to pierre after the battle over the fire and pierre brings up natasha again you can tell pierre is like dude like 
I keep throwing her in her face in your face because I think she's a gem. And if you don't think she's a gem, then I'm a swoop in. Well, I mean, but also the fact that her her purity is what drew her to him. That's why he can't forgive her when um the thing happens with Anatole because the Madonna whore complex kicks in and he starts to see her as something that's ruined. Her purity in his eyes is removed. Exactly, exactly. Which I don't understand why you don't like that. But then I don't like that. I just I love that he comes back around. He's like. I love yeah, everything. but he only does that because he does because he She's, forgives Anatole because of Anatole like passing yeah. he dies. So I think that's yeah. And then he freaking talks to Pierre and he says Anatole or he says and then freaking Kurrigan that leech Kurrigan just saw her as a piece of sweet flesh to feed on. I was like, this is some bullshit. What are you doing here? Yeah. Like she's a freaking fruit that fell from the tree. Okay, so like yeah. Like screw women biting the apple. Women are the apple, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. It gets it gets kind of gross there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then when Napoleon, Nepo- like Pierre, is like, he's like, yeah, I get you, man. When he says, yeah, I understand, and he's like infuriated too. But he also sees the other side when freaking Natasha is literally lamenting. She is going through. Okay, it. honestly, will he forgive me? Here's the thing. Sometimes when you hurt somebody, you just gotta walk away. Like sometimes when like you hurt somebody super bad, you just gotta be like, look, I understand that that is not was not cool of me. I'm gonna step off the gas and just understand you'll never forgive me. I think it's more so the humiliation of that scene where Pierre walks in to her and um she's like, Where's Anatole? And he says, She he's married and she says, No. He's and she literally is like she is willing at this point because she believes that Andre Andre and her had been uh fraught their relationship had been fraught while he was in the war for a while. And then she sees Anatole and Anatole is like up her ass and then he seduces her, whatever, and now suddenly she's like mystified by him and like basically she's a horny teenager and it's like ridiculous that that's like a thing the thing that happens and then she's like blindsided by her lust for the first time in her life the naive character and then she's willing to fight pierre and she says i don't care about what any of you want i want anatole now it Mm. doesn't matter i love anatole andre can piss off and i'm like yeah that's that and then and then he tells her that anatole's married and he has a freaking kid see that's i i I love stories like this because it's just evidence that like demon time has existed for forever it, it demon time yeah like it, it hits like 2 a.m you're like damn i will take anything right now <laughs> <laughs> is that what that's called demon yeah you time? like you like start to put your ex's name in your um like you start to like search for to text them and God. you're like you're like wait 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 wait, wait. <laughs> hold on yeah no that that just kind of like throwing it to the wolves like i don't care i'm gonna <laughs> do something stupid <laughs> I, I i love that people have been dumb for forever makes me feel better i mean yeah go on to talk about your things because i know you have there's a um, couple things yeah i mean i kind of touch on romance versus war um the way that pierre changed i think you said that better than i ever could an interesting interaction that i really like because it's featured heavily in great comment which is i also like is the interaction between maria and natasha it's the first time we see natasha's like innocence and naivete and anything about her seen in a negative light Marius thinks that she's flashy and childish and not good for her brother. That's what Natasha thinks that Maria thinks. And it's this super, it's this very like uniquely feminine experience to meet somebody and be like, I don't know if she likes me in the way I dress and who I am and how I look. And I don't know if she likes me and I don't know if she thinks I'm good enough for her brother. And I'm and you're just like freaking out and you're like over interpreting what they're saying and they're over interpreting what you're saying. It's just, yeah. It's like 
and Natasha thinks that Mari hates her, and Mari thinks that Natasha hates her. So then they they so just then, stand away from each other. It's so it's such an awkward, like painfully awkward conversation to watch, and just because there's like there's no communication at all in that scene. <laughs> yeah. Both of them say a lot of words. No communication is had. Yeah, I just think I loved. I like many series, like period piece mini series, and I think this was very unique in the fact that there's so many things going on it's not static and it's one of those things where i think this is actually a good introduction to someone who hasn't seen period pieces to watch because it, there's so much going on and it is mm-hmm. the kind of right recipe of scandal plus information and things going on in the background um that being said who's your favorite character oh my god who's my favorite character that's such a good question um and why obviously sell me on it oh sell me the pen no i'm kidding i really like mario i can sell you the pen yeah okay so I <laughs> to me she's a nun yeah and that's why i like her not that's not why i like her but i appreciate that she she essentially makes herself a cool person she's absolutely screwed she's at the beginning a Virgo. of the story yeah <laughs> she's absolutely screwed at the beginning of the story and then she just like she comes into all of this wealth and all of this money and immediately what she does is take in somebody who needs it and was kind to her in the past she is forgiving she is gracious she cares about her family um and i i just love that like she so clearly like finds her strength like in the beginning she's just being absolutely dogged by her father yeah. and like her brother is not helping her at all um and i, just I wonder love- if if she is she i wonder if she's older than andre because something tells me that she is because i feel like if she wasn't older than andre then she wouldn't be involved in her like father's business stuff as much as she is i want to know the age difference between not only her and andre but her and pierre um but yeah i i like maria um i like all of her silly little like tassels and stuff it's the catholic in me i'm like i like yeah she dresses in curtains (laughs) who's your favorite character and why pierre gross <laughs> i mean i don't like me i think he's annoying <laughs> i love him so much maybe it's just because i he's my ideal man like he's my ideal i think he's everything i don't know because he's, he's a femboy he's, he's he's not a femboy he is a femboy he's not a femboy he's not a femboy Dude, he like was a, a prisoner he's like he was a, a prisoner he's like he a poetry writing cat ear wearing if he was alive today <laughs> if he was alive today he'd have a maid costume on no uh, he would be posing in a maid costume no, on his he twitch would stream yes no, he would no he's a he's a freaking man pierre i think so mm. maybe it's paul dano as pierre i think that's i think you just like paul dano i i, I, I love paul dano. i literally Andre have like a is my favorite crush man. on paul dano but of he course. has to die he's too good he has to die he's not too good i think he is a mortar he he a died martyr? um sure a martyr that's sorry that, that's also a Catholic. <laughs> okay he's a martyr he died for all of everyone else's sins in the book or in the oh, story and that's so sexy of him no it's is it i love a man who can self-sacrifice that's also the catholic in me my ideal man is jesus <laughs> <laughs> um uh, yeah no he he's he's such a he's sure I think okay, you, Andre is like if you were had to go on a date with any other characters, you would go out with Andre. But your favorite's Maria. I think if it's not Pierre, I'd have to go with. I probably have to go with Mar- Maria. Let me look at the character list again. I 
Um, because I can't stand Anatole. See, the thing is, I love the guy who plays Anatole though. Callum Turner, I you're cute. You're, I think he's cuter than um james norton the guy who plays andre the problem with me is that i go through my life and i will see a nikolai and i'm like oh it's an andre and it's not right it's a nikolai nikolai's a beta male no (laughs) (laughs) okay okay to be fair neither one of us are insult (laughs) (laughs) i love how i put my microwave but you totally heard that um yeah no i i um (laughs) <laughs> I, I i i dude yeah no i'll i'll see like a man who's like moody and i'm like oh that means he's a good person it's like no that just means he needs to like take his ssris like, nikolai <laughs> is my least favorite man i actually like anatole more than nikolai because i feel like nikolai is a little bitch and i think he like okay, just, yeah yeah. Like he can, he he just falls in love too easily, and he doesn't he, he doesn't okay. know what love okay. is. Okay, so Nikolai is not your favorite. Pierre is your favorite. Put it in order of who's my favorite. Um, Pierre, then Natasha, then Andre, then Maria. Literally, like the order of which the sec- like primary and secondary characters probably. Mm. Which I, is terrible. I I I think that Sonia and Maria are literally like the same archetype. But yeah. one of them is rich. I think we didn't even talk about. Oh my gosh! No, the fact we didn't even talk about class. Yeah, this is such a that's such a big thing for this. I just think the fact that Sonia's forced to live with Nicolas' family and take care of his children. She gets cucked for forever. Yeah, there's this thing. Oh my god, Sorry. there's this thing I looked up and I like read a little bit. There's like a conversation in the book. The scene that happens last in the show isn't what happens last in the in the book. It goes on for a little bit. And there's this conversation that Maria and Natasha have about Sonia where Maria's like, I feel bad about Sonia like living here and stuff. If it were me, I'd be like, screw feeling bad. I feel uncomfortable. Like you were freaking married to my husband. Like I want you out of the house. Like is where that terrible? Is gonna, where else is she going to go? Well, if Sonia wasn't poor, then sure. But I feel like. Well, she could live with freaking Pierre. She could be freaking Natasha's nurse, you know, like have a nurse her freaking kids instead of Maria and Nikolai. I feel like that's like inappropriate. But Natasha tells Maria when she when she feels guilty about having Sonia in the house, she says, well, Sonia is the person that the kind of person you don't have to worry about her because she is willing to lose. She's OK not being with him because she called off the the arrangement or the marriage. Not this is a question. Speaking of class, do you think that Sonia called off the marriage with Nikolai? A, because A because she knew that Maria and him were more compatible and like they actually had a history or whatever that she could see in his eyes that he wasn't going to love her as much because he falls in love easily. Or B, because of her class and because she was finally relinquishing this dream that she had about marrying her cousin, but yeah. also marrying someone who is considered higher than her in the class, even if it's a narrow stretch. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I think in the same way that Natasha does, Sonia also grows up. Um, and I, I think it is relinqu- relinquishing the dream, but then she also realizes, like, practically, it's better for her to do that. It's better for Natasha and the entire Rostov, Rostovna family for her to just bite the bullet. And you know what? Would you do that if you were in love with somebody? Would you stay and take care of their children? Shit. Yeah, I would do. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If I know you're asking me, but I feel like I can understand why she would do that because she actually does love him. I think she loves him at this point as an individual and not as like in the same way that Andre loves Anatole. It's that forgiveness, love. Mm. 
but yeah. I think literally I, think I if was I really love somebody I would do that I was fantasizing about Pierre and Natasha I was like I love freaking Natasha like I wonder what their honeymoon was like I wonder where they went like I wonder if like he like how she deals with like him having so much money even though he like is humble now that he's been a prisoner and like they live in the countryside so he dresses like a freaking I hate the way he dresses now I wish he would go back to dressing like a count um, yeah, yeah it's like when a man gets a haircut some of these men are hopeless. Some of these men. I don't like, think Pierre is hopeless. I think Pierre is hopeless, not hopeless. Pierre, okay, Pierre's the kind of man to buy like Reeboks and see nothing wrong with it. What's wrong with Reeboks? I don't know things about shoes. So he would wear like to... he would wear like dad shoes and like like unironically and see nothing wrong with it. He'd be like, I like, he'd be like oh, babe, I don't understand. I like that. I love that. <laughs> but going back, you said <laughs> back to freaking what we're talking about. You said um maria and then andre's your favorite guy and for me it's pierre and natasha the, cu- the couple i just don't know overall i don't one out of ten i'll say for the series i'll say an eight out of ten i was gonna say 8.5 out of ten yeah i don't know i liked it it was we need paul dano it, it was kind of Mo- corny and i don't really like some of the casting that you do <laughs> Okay, I think we need to put a uh, petition to put Paul Dano in some more um, main character roles. I need Coon, to see him and some Coon. main character roles, please. Coon, he's not attractive. I think he <laughs> yeah. is attractive. Like, who decides ugly, ugly comes from within. There's something central to his character that we disagree on, but I can't figure out what it is. To me, sex does not sell. I think that is the thing about Pierre that we disagree on. I, don't I think, think you. I think you just figured it. I up. don't think sex sells. In my head, sex doesn't sell. I think. I and think, I see through it really fast. And I feel like I just think like once we're old and gray, I would actually be companions with him. I think. I think that's the why I dislike Pierre. That he's not sexy enough to be annoying. For me, I feel like he is conversational enough not to be boring. We figured it out. That being said, 8 and 8.5. Thank you for for listening. And yeah, it's been super fun to be back. Hopefully we get more of you guys. Hopefully we get more of you guys. I know there's not a lot of you. Most of you are family members. We'll get more. We will get more of you. We'll get some college students here. We upload every Friday. And so, yeah, um, excluding super big holidays. So... Uh, you'll we'll we'll keep you updated on whenever you know if there's a, a time we'll stay on top of it i think i think we can have a nice little community of people yeah comment and we can fight and um i'll see you guys yeah. at wawa yeah okay thank you bye see you next time